Hello and welcome to Calling All Detectives from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Calling all detectives. It's hard enough to catch an ordinary criminal. But how would you go about capturing a man who kills people to do them a favor? That is the problem on this page from my casebook, the casebook of Jerry Browning, private detective. A private detective like me, Jerry Browning, gets to visit many strange places, but none stranger than the recesses of the human mind. It had been a rough night. About three hours earlier, Lieutenant Dawson and I and about 30 cops had cornered Red Wilkins, a bank robber who'd boasted he'd never be taken alive and who made good his boast. Don't ask me why. I don't have the answer to questions like that. When I heard the gunshot, I automatically slammed down the brakes. I was in a northwest side neighborhood of tenements, all dark at this hour of night. The man who turned the corner and walked toward me was elderly, slight, and a little stooped. Did you hear a shot, sir? That's what I was about to ask you. I thought it came from back that way. Sound is deceptive. I thought it came from here. Uh, may I ask who you are? Sure, I'm Jerry Browning, a private detective. How fortunate. I am Caspar Deeming, and I'm afraid my work is much more prosaic than yours, Mr. Browning. I am merely one of the members of the Home Guide Society. The what society? Deeming smiled gently. Home Guide Society. Our work is not too well known. We seek out and find persons who have, in a sense, lost their way home, for one reason or another, and we persuade them or help them to find their way home. Well, I've run into many peculiar organizations in my day, and this one wasn't as peculiar as some. The old man offered to help me trace the source of the shot, and for about half an hour we walked up and down deserted streets and alleys. Found nothing. It was almost two in the morning when I left Casper Deeming at a street corner and drove on home for a few hours of badly needed sleep. The next morning, I read in the paper that a hobo had been found shot to death in the doorway of a northwest side apartment building. And when I looked in the telephone directory, there was no such organization as the Home Guide Society. Near the scene of a murder, I ran into an old man who claimed he was a member of a non-existent Home Guide Society. Lieutenant Dawson listened thoughtfully as I told him about my encounter with Casper Deeming. Well, Jerry, this bum that was killed was about 30 years old, plenty husky, and probably as smart as most hobos. Even assuming that this old man you describe has any reason for killing a hobo, I don't think he would have had the chance. I got up. Okay, I just thought I'd mention it for whatever it was worth. Sorry I bothered you. The next murder took place not quite a week later. A merchant seaman who jumped ship and had been living for days, maybe weeks, under a viaduct near the river. Two days after the seaman's death, fish market Nellie, an old harridan who lived by what she could beg from market square merchants, 
was found in an alley behind a wholesale produce warehouse. There were two bullets in her back, and she died without regaining consciousness. And when the killer struck less than 24 hours later, Dawson's face was gray and haggard as he walked into my office. This is horrible, Jerry. We got a fourth murder on our hands in less than two weeks. There's a 19-year-old girl come here from Connellsville to go to a business school. She arrived yesterday, went out looking for a room, and about 10 o'clock last night we found a body on a park bench, shot to death like the others. What have you done about it? Dawson mopped at his brow. I've got every man on the force looking for this old guy you saw, this Casper Deeming. I've tried to keep it quiet, nothing in the papers about him, but Jerry, nobody but you has ever seen him. I got up. Dawson, maybe you've been too quiet about it. I've got an idea. It's weird, but we're up against a weird killer. Come on. Dawson and I went to all three newspapers in town, the Sentinel, the Times Star, and the Courier. I inserted identical classified ads in the personal columns of all papers. The ad said, Lonely man, far from home, feels he has lost his way, seeks guidance and inspiration. Address Jerry Browning, 518 Lawrence Terrace. Dawson wasn't happy about it. But Jerry, this Casper Demon knows your name. You told it to him. He'll never rise to bait like this. This is just the first try, Dawson. And I've got a reason for giving my right name. The ad appeared in the next day's papers. I'd given my home address. And when I got back from the office that evening, I was almost mobbed by a small army of women who were waiting to offer me guidance and inspiration. They thought I was looking for a wife. The next day, I changed the ad to read, Can a man who has lost his way home find help from those who are familiar with the road? On the next try, I revised the ad to, Is there no way home for one who has found the path for others, but cannot guide his own footsteps? When I got to my home the next evening, there were no callers waiting, and only a few letters in response to my ad. I had dinner alone in my apartment, kept waiting, hopefully, for the phone to ring. It didn't. About ten o'clock, I put on my hat and coat, went on downstairs, and started walking through the quiet streets. I turned a corner and found myself facing Casper Deeming. Good evening, Mr. Browning. I have finally come to help you. I kept my hands carefully in full view. I had about given up hope of meeting you again, Mr. Deeming. The old man smiled. I've been busy. Shall we walk? Deeming fell into step alongside of me. I pretended not to notice his right hand thrust deep into his overcoat pocket. So you too have lost your way, Mr. Browning. And a man of your assurance. How is that possible? I don't know, Mr. Deeming. Maybe I've sent too many men to jail, or to the chair, and have lost my own sense of direction. A pity, Mr. Browning, a great pity. Without a home, there can be no security, no rest, no surcease from pain. And shall I tell you what is the final home, the greatest resting place of all? That's what I hoped you'd tell me. Deeming took his hand out of his pocket. Let me see the revolver he was holding. The ultimate home is the grave, Mr. Browning, the sweet oblivion of death. And I will help you find it as I help all lost souls. The shots came from a car a little way down the street, and they caught Deeming in the chest and arm before he had a chance to fire at me. Yeah, 
Dawson had been trailing me in a police car as we'd arranged days ago. He got his killer. And as for me, I got a glimpse into one of the shadowy, mysterious corners of the human mind. A place of dark, warped thoughts. Deeming lived long enough to confess the four home guidance murders, as the case was finally called, never offered any explanation for the crimes other than what he'd told me during our walk. Like I said, people are motivated by many strange impulses. And the dividing line between philanthropist and killer can sometimes be as delicate as the shaded meanings of a simple word like home. <laughs> 